welcome to Collision Cast Fender Bender's weekly podcast. I'm Anna Zek, editor of Fender Bender. Last week, I brought you a conversation I recently had with Mike Anderson of Collision Advice, and he talked through his top 10 wish list for the industry for 2022. If you didn't listen to that episode, definitely do because he has a lot of great insight. But today I wanted to bring you kind of a bonus episode. Uh, there was part of that conversation that didn't quite fit into the industry wish list, but that I thought was super inspiring and impactful nonetheless. Uh, and it's when Mike got into talking about how you can fall in love with this business again. And he tells a story that really underscores how you can get people to work together. And I thought it was great for this time of year. So. Here you go. I hope you enjoyed this uh, little bonus episode from me and Mike Anderson. There are a lot of challenges right now, and it's really got some people feeling down and disillusioned. And how do you think that shop owners can like fall in love with this industry and this business again? I have one answer for that, and that is... um, spinning you know first of all being like a 20 group or attend of, of an event like your fender bender conference i think that you have to be surround yourself with like-minded people and understand that you know again you know i use the analogy there's a book that was written by a guy named ken blanchard called gung ho g-u-n-g-h-o and he t- it's based on like native american principles and they talk about the spirit of the of the goose and are the spirit of the squirrel and the way of the beaver. And anyway, but it's about geese. And it talks about when geese fly in a flock, when you hear geese honking, what they're doing is they know that they can sense that the lead goose that's flying in front of the V is getting tired. And when they honk, they're honking to encourage that, that goose that, hey, I know you're getting tired, but we're with you, right? And I think what we need is, I don't think we need, you know, like this false buildup where we just build people up that's false, right? But that I think if you're a shop and you're disillusioned, you know, find a way that you can participate in, you know, um, in groups with like-minded individuals that will encourage you and lift you up, right? I think enthusiasm breeds enthusiasm. And I use the Fender Bender conference like that, right? You know, if you go there and there's all these shops and you hear that other shops are struggling and you're like, you know, wow, they, there's other people out there like me, you know, cause you don't, you can, you can very easily feel like a person, you know, um, you know, a person left, you know, like you're alone on an Island. So I think getting involved in industry events, you know, again, like I keep saying the Fender Bender conference, but I just think going there and being around like-minded individuals that may have a solution to a problem you have. And so I think being involved in an event like that, um, you know, is, is the way that we do that. Finding like-minded individuals that will encourage you and support you and, and, and maybe they've tread that. And I think that's where the older generation of our industry and the younger generation can help each other. You know what I mean? The older generations may be a little frustrated and the younger generation might have this, you know, way that they know how to use technology to make life easier, but the old technology, old, old, old um, people in our industry or, you know, the seasoned people, they've traveled this journey before and they might be able to give some counsel to that young person. So I think industry events, you know, like Fender Bender Conference, right? And just finding like-minded individuals that have traveled this road before you. Yeah, absolutely. What do you say to people who feel like this industry is over? There's no way to make money in it anymore. You know, those things you hear. Yeah, so I disagree with all that. This is still a great industry. Um, You know, and I think if you're going to be in this industry, you have to just 
you know, put your big boy or big girl britches on and just understand that our industry has challenges, right? Obviously, it's getting reimbursed for saving proper repairs. There's a technician shortage. I mean, that, that's just the way it is. You just got to accept it, right? You know, but, you know, I have a friend of mine and he works for UPS. I mean, he's 58 years old now and, you know, he, he gets timed from the time he parks his UPS truck to he sets his emergency brake to he delivers the package. I mean, they measure cycle time on him. And, you know, the older his body gets, it's a little harder for him to do that, you know. So every industry, you know, if you work at McDonald's, you're going to leave out there every night smelling like French fries. It's just you got, you know, if you work at McDonald's, that's what it is. So I think that we just have to embrace the challenges, but understand that every one of those obstacles is an opportunity for us. And we just have to learn how to, we t- how, you know, collectively, how do we do that, right? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, I you, still think that a lot of, you know, our industry, you know, people still, most people, most people, you know, own shops. I mean, you know, they're, they've provided for their families. They yeah. bought nice homes. They've taken vacations. I mean, it's still a great industry, right? And you still can make a very good living in our industry, but things have changed. And I think the people that are struggling is because they're still trying to conduct business the way they did five or 10 years ago, and they haven't adapted to the times. Definitely. And do you think that's where shop owners can take more personal responsibility and feel like they are more in control? Absolutely. I think we have to adapt and I think we have to be agile. And I think those are really two words that I think of. You have to, you have to be agile and you have to be willing to adapt. And if you don't do that, you're going to have a hard time in any profession, right? But that's what you need to do in our profession. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mike. I think this was really inspiring. I don't know. Did I help? Oh, no, it was super inspiring. I think people will really need to hear this right now. Right. Yeah. I just think that people, you know, again, I, you know, again, um, may, may I just share one last story? Of course. Okay. So when I had my shops, um, it was a Wednesday before, uh, I'm sorry, it was a Tuesday before Easter. And I don't know what made me think of it. I was and this. I'll try to keep this really short. So I was sitting at my desk and I don't know why it just popped in my head. Like, I wonder if anybody ever dresses up as the Easter Bunny goes to Children's Hospital. I don't know where it came from to this day. I don't know. So I picked up the phone. I called Children's Hospital and I said, hey, does anybody ever dress up as the Easter Bunny and come to Children's Hospital and see kids? And this lady answered. She goes, I don't know. Let me transfer you to somebody else who transferred to somebody else. And I ended up with talking to this lady by the name of, of T with New Horizons. And she oversaw all the volunteer efforts at Children's Hospital in Washington, D.C. And I said, hey, does anybody ever dress up as the Easter Bunny? And she's like, uh, nope, Santa Claus, but no Easter Bunnies. And I was like, well, can I dress up as Easter Bunny and come to Children's mm-hmm. Hospital? She goes, well, Easter's like in four days. I'm like, or five days. I'm like, yeah. She said, well, I got to run a background check on you first. So she did that. She called back. She goes, okay, if you want to come to Children's Hospital, that's fine. We're, we're good to have you, but you got to come on Saturday. I was like, okay, I said, well, I want to buy some Easter bunnies for the kids. And she's like, well, uh, first of all, it's got to be the Easter bunnies where the eyes are sewed on. They can't be glued on because the kids can take them off. I'm like, no problem, no problem. I said, so I got to get some Easter bunnies. I said, so, you know, um, you know, how many Easter bunnies do I need to get? And she said, about 300. <laughs> I was like, what? 300 <laughs> Easter bunnies? Well, now I'm already committed. I can't back out, right? And I'm like, okay, okay. So I get off the phone and I'm like, I tell my staff, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to run down to the Hallmark store real quick and get some Easter bunnies. And I go down there and they only have like seven Easter bunnies. I'm like, Oh my God, what am I going to do now? I got to see 300 kids on Saturday. I've already made this commitment. What do I do? And man, I go and grab the seven Easter bunnies. All their eyes are so done. I go up to the counter 
And I told the lady, I said, man, I, I need some more Easter buddies. And she goes, you look really stressed out. And I said, I am. I said, I made this commitment to go see 300 kids at Children's Hospital and they got to have special Easter buddies. And I don't know where I was thinking. I, I don't know what I was thinking. Right. And she's like, well, what are you doing again? And I explained it to her. And she said, you know what? Let me call some other Hallmark stores for you. And the key to the story is, is that I presented my vision. Mm. I had a vision and I didn't have it all figured out, but I shared my vision with this lady. And she's like, let me call some other Hallmark stores. So now she's calling and she's getting some Easter bunnies. Right. And she's finding them for me. So now I got to, and I find out like one's like an hour away and one's like an hour and a half away. I'm like, how am I going to go get all these Easter bunnies? Not to mention these Easter bunnies are like 30 some bucks a piece. I'm like, oh my God, I wouldn't plan on spending that much money. It's not like I'm rich, you know, I'm working for my dad. I'm not making a ton of money. <laughs> so what do I do? I called up some friends of mine, Pete Peterson, Mark Bedreau, Tim Fifley, RT. And I said, and I shared my vision. I said, look, here's what I did. I've committed to 300 kids. I got to get these Easter bunnies, but some of them are down. I got, there's like 12 at this store and they're like 10 minutes from you, but it's an hour and a half away from me. And I share my vision. And what do you think those all, all the body shop friends that I had said when I called them, what do you think they said? They said, Hey, I'll go pick them up for you. No problem. And then I'll run them up to you or I'll meet you halfway. So now I'm getting the Easter bunny. So I'm like, okay, now what I got to do, I got to get, go find an Easter bunny costume. Well, I just go to the local costume store and I walk in and say, Hey, I need an Easter bunny costume. And they're like, for when? I'm like, well, for Saturday. And they're like, sir, it's three days before Easter. <laughs> all our Easter bunny costumes are rented out. I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't think about that. And then plus I got to see 300 kids and I'm like, well, I can't just have one Easter bunny. I'm going to have to have a Mrs. Easter bunny. Right. So then I, what I do, I share my vision. I tell the guy at the costume store what I'm doing. He's like, Oh man, that's so cool. He said, let me see what I can find out. Well, guess what he does. He goes and finds me not one, but two Easter bunny costumes. So here's the deal. The moral of the story is I ended up seeing over 300 kids and I, me and some other people, right? Another guy, I've got a guy that worked with me. He went, but was Mrs. Easter Bunny. <laughs> I saw over 300 kids. We raised over $10,000. We bought Easter bunnies for all the kids. I never could have pulled that off by myself. Mm. The only way I could pull that off is because I shared my vision with my friends and mm. I shared that my vision with my team. And what happened was my team, my friends and my team stepped up. So I guess the moral of the story is that if you feel like you're alone and you want to accomplish something great, understand you got to share your vision. What's your vision? And share your vision with people. And that's one of the things I've been blessed with. And I'm grateful to Fender Bender because you give me the opportunity to speak at your conference and share my vision for our industry. And I find that when you share your vision and people read about it or they hear about it, then what they do is they reach out to you and they say, how can I help you accomplish your vision? And I think that's the power of working with people that are like-minded. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's such a great story. Thanks for sharing it, Mike.